tried and true, and we love it that you're here. And I was praying for like, could two or three come, you know? 19 people came on the Thursday night a couple of weeks ago when we did that. So for all of you who went all in in this service tonight or then or are watching online and were baptized for your faith, I have a message for you. Here's some seasoned advice for you. Actually, this word applies to everybody here. You can dip into our conversation for just a second. Uh, even if you're checking us out for the first time tonight, this probably applies to you. This will be meaningful to you because I fear that you are having this golden ticket to heaven kind of mentality in your life, and that's not what we want. We want something different for you. I have some advice for you. For every single person that is going all in, that did go all in, that will go all in this year, I don't know if you've heard, 365 people is our goal to go all in this year. And we had 96 before tonight. And tonight, guess how many we had? Four. We're at an even hundred. Thursday night, like, put us right on the number. So I don't know what God's doing, but he's doing some great stuff. So here's some advice for all of you here, but especially those who went all in. Number one word of advice, watch out. Watch out. And what you're watching out for is the devil. You probably already figured it out. If you went a couple weeks ago, he's hopping mad at you. He's not going to let you go without a fight. Jesus' greatest temptation came right after his baptism. So I'm guessing that the devil is chasing some of y'all right now big time. Don't let him catch you. And don't run around the corner away from him and then look back and see if he's coming your way. Okay? Turn your face away. Watch out. Watch out. Which is why a community is important. Number two, I'm asking you to walk it out with someone else with what we call stride. Stride. There's a guide that every person that gets baptized will get, and we want everybody who goes all in to have a stride partner this year. If we have 365 baptisms, somebody told me it's leap year, right? So really, we should have 366. That's what I've heard. But if we have 366 people, we're going to need hundreds of those who've already found Jesus to step up and be a stride partner, a mentor for somebody else. It's kind of like having a spiritual trainer, a personal spiritual trainer, for about 12 weeks to provide accountability and support. I'm asking some of you on Thursday night who have been uh, and watching online, who've been maybe a Christian, you don't have to be like a Bible college degree, you've just been a Christian, you've already made some strides. I'm asking you to sign up to be a mentor this year. We are going to need you with the movement of God right now. So there's an email address, stride at whitewatercrossing.org. If you will email us at that address and give us your name, we'll figure out how to get you assigned to a partner. So watch out, walk it out. Number three word to you is work it out. If you are just coming to faith, if you're new in Christ, you've got to work on this thing called Christianity. It's not a golden ticket to heaven. It's not as easy as some people claim it to be. Here's how Paul put it in Philippians. Uh, just what a great verse. Philippians 2 verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here's the phrase, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's a scary thing to be in relationship with Jesus. So work on it and work it out. For it is God who works in you, not only you working, God's working in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose in your life. So work it out. What does that mean? That means you study, that you pray, that you serve, that you group, that you grow up, that you do the hard work of growing up in the Lord. 
Remember, we don't just want decisions, 365 or 366 decisions. We want 365, 366 disciples. And our upcoming Hope Campaign that Micah queued up last week will help you work it out. I'm calling Hope Helping Others, like an acrostic, Helping Others Prepare for Eternity. So being in a group is huge for this. We're praying for 1,000 people in our church family to get connected to a group. If you're in an existing group, you can sync to the Hope Campaign. You can start a new one yourself. But get all the details at whitewatercrossing.org slash hope. Whitewatercrossing.org slash hope. What I'm describing, and I just described, and what I want to talk to you tonight about is the critical need we have in our church because of how God's blessed us with new people, the critical need we have to mentor and disciple the one. And I want to talk about that value tonight. Uh, Linda and Beryl started that by talking about how you, everybody needs a mentor and you mentor your family. But even if you don't go to church, even if you don't believe this Bible stuff, you don't believe this Jesus stuff, I bet you would want a mentor in your life. Someone said that mentoring is a brain to pick, an ear to listen to, and a push in the right direction. A mentor is someone whose hindsight gives you insight for foresight in your life. A mentor is someone who has been there, done that, and encourages someone else who wants to be where they are. Some of you know my hobby is golf. I love golf. I've been playing all my life. And I remember the first time I had someone mentor me in the game of golf. You don't just show up to a golf course and start golfing. There's like etiquette. There's like unwritten rules. You don't need to know how to, you know how to grip the club. When the shot goes there, you need to know how to throw the club. No, no, that's not what, what you should be. But there are rules. You don't walk in someone's line when they're putting. You don't talk. In, when they're in their backswing, unless you're a preacher um, and you're down and that guy, you're trying to catch him. You, you, these are just rules of the game. Uh, I didn't know for a long time that you shouldn't hold your cold beverage that's sweating with the glove, the hand you have your glove on, because then your glove gets wet. Somebody said, David, quit holding the, the pop. See, some of y'all think I was going to say something else. Quit holding that drink. Hold it with the other hand, because then your glove won't go, oh, I needed a mentor. All helpful information. And spiritual mentoring, mentoring is also what's needed before and after someone makes a decision for Jesus. See, we forget, those of us who've been like following Jesus for a long time, we forget that everybody starts somewhere. We forget that everything we know now, we didn't know then. So we need help. We need people to mentor these young believers. And because we're a multi-generational church, in case you haven't figured it out, we got young, we got middle, we got older, we got people in all categories. It is so easy to mentor here. We have older people who would long to share their wisdom with others. We have young people who are longing for a mentor to come alongside them. In fact, our recent spiritual growth survey re revealed several things about our church. And one of them was that most Christ followers coast at some point in their spiritual journey and so a strategy is needed to assemble believers together to identify blind spots, encourage, and seize opportunities for growth. That's why we're talking about mentoring. And although the word mentoring does not appear in the Bible, the word, the concept is all throughout the Bible. Here's the concept, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Timothy was mentored by a guy named Paul. You're going to meet him in just a second. Here's what he said. 
And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So you pour into faithful people, reliable people, who are then qualified to teach or to pour into other people. Oh, the Bible's full of examples on this if you look. Jethro mentored Moses, then Moses mentored Joshua. Eli mentored Samuel. Samuel mentored David, who became Israel's greatest king. David then mentored Solomon. Elijah mentored Elisha, who then mentored other people. Mordecai mentored Esther, and Esther then mentored a king, King Artaxerxes. And of course, the ultimate example is Jesus, who recruited and mentored the apostles, who then mentored and established and multiplied the kingdom of God all over the face of the earth. That's the ripple effect of mentoring. So Paul was one of those apostles that Jesus mentored and demonstrates the powerful effect of mentoring. There are so many people, if you read the New Testament, who got mentored and then multiplied, which is what we're going to talk about next week. So I want to take a look just for a few minutes tonight at the roster of people that Paul mentored, and he lists them by name, by the way, which is very unusual for Paul. He mentioned them by name at the end of his letter to the church at Rome. The, the book of Romans, in case you don't know it and you're new or maybe new-ish, when you understand the book of Romans, you understand everything about grace. It's a key doctrinal book. Everything about the gospel is found in Romans. And Paul lists in Romans his people. Remember, Micah talked about that last week. Who are your people? And sending specific greetings to specific people in Paul's letters is not something he normally did. So we take note of these people. So here at the end of Romans, Paul sends greetings to around 30 people and several groups. And I want to point them out. And if I were to write a letter to the church in, in Cincinnati at Whitewater Crossing... I would find similar people, different names, but similar people uh, who I have mentored or who have mentored me or who I owe a great debt to. So let's jump in in Romans 16. I want to show you a couple of these things. We don't have time to read all of them, but let me show you some of the ones that Paul mentored. And these are his people. These are, this is the idea. This is the importance that I want to talk about tonight is that everybody here. If you were to write your own letter, think about it. What would your letter say? What, who would be included in your letter? And that's why I want you to leave here with the name tonight of a person in this church or outside of this church who needs someone to mentor them, to love them, to disciple them. Here's how Paul said it, Romans 16, verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. There's the first person that Paul mentored. There's his first one who was a deacon or a deaconess of the church in Sincrea. Now, Phoebe is a common name back then. It's not so common now. This is Some of y'all, the only Phoebe you know is like Phoebe Buffet, like Smelly Cat, right, from Friends. This Phoebe is not that Phoebe. This is a high-capacity leader. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you for she, this woman Phoebe, has been the benefactor, the patron of many people, Paul said, including me. This woman Phoebe, scholars believe, was likely the carrier of this letter to Rome. Huge responsibility. We have many men and women who are Phoebe-esque 
people in our church. People who deliver good news. People who are benefactors, who are patrons of what God has done here. Who might be even in a financial place where they're able to bless people and help people just like Phoebe. Every time the electricity goes out in this building, you may not know this, but we have a generator that kicks on. 500 kilowatt generator. It wasn't cheap. But when we found out that the electricity went out about 400 times our first year here, because the power grid was so weak, we decided, you know what, maybe we should invest in that. Well, I don't know if you know that, but we didn't have that kind of money laying around to buy a generator until a Phoebe-type person, a man and a woman, entered the, 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 the conversation and said, you know what, if the church will give this much, we'll take care of the rest. And now every week, we don't even know it, but Phoebe, when the electricity goes out, I had a funeral this week, electricity went out, we still could have lights and air and heat and sound, all because of a Phoebe. If I were to write a letter to Cincinnati, I'd say, thank God for those people who were Phoebes. Number three, verse three, Paul also greets some other people. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Who are those people? My co-workers in Christ Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, and Paul was a tent maker when he wasn't preaching the gospel to earn money. And they were mentors. Uh, Paul mentored them, and then they mentored others. Notice how he describes them. They risk their lives for me. It literally means they risk their neck. Can I ask you a question? I know it's Thursday night. I know you may be watching online. How much have you risked for God? I mean, really laid it all, all in on the line for him. My guess is probably not as much as you could. These people risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So notice they have a, a small group. They have churches that are meeting small and churches that are meeting in big common public areas. Also, he said, notice, greet my dear friend Epinetus. Epinetus. I love the way he describes him, his adjective, my dear friend Epinetus. Every pastor, every leader needs a dear friend. Somebody who'll stick with them. Somebody who'll tell them you're not crazy. Somebody says, you know what, David, all that criticism, it's going to be okay. I believe in you. Everybody, I mean, I've had several, still continue to have several dear friends here who I don't know if I could have made it through some days of darkness and some days of discouragement without these dear friends. Why was this a dear friend of Paul? He was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. In other words, this was the first guy that got one to Christ. I remember, you know, we've done all these all-ins. I baptized hundreds and hundreds of people in my ministry career. But it all started at a camp when I was in ninth grade. I preached a sermon at a Christian service camp. The people there, the dean, why, I don't know, but he let me preach. It was the most awesome message ever, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure it was bad. But at that sermon, my very first sermon, two or three people came forward to be baptized. And I said, this, I got to get in this game. This is like the best thing ever that's happened. And so I preached and they came and then the dean said, hey, uh, by the way, you know, I preach you. You preach, you got to baptize them. So we went to the camp pool. I never baptized anybody. I didn't know how to hold them. I, I, you talk about dropping people. I knew that was going to happen. They, he, they mentored me on how to lower them, how to get them into water, how you put them down and they don't pull you under. I mean, he taught me all that stuff. I remember that first baptism. Paul's saying here, I remember my first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet also, he says, Mary, 
who worked very hard for you. Just a FYI here, if you look at this list closely, the prominence of women here in this list is noteworthy. In their day and their culture, women were not high profile, all not in Paul's mind, not in Jesus' mind for the church. Many of these godly gals are listed here. And this shows, by the way, that faithful Christian women had highly important roles in the apostolic era and should have, in my opinion, in our leader's opinion, should have the same kind of profile today. It shows that women, in his address to Phoebe and all these others, can have high-profile ministries and leadership uh, authority without violating any New Testament commands. Greet Mary. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is a common name of someone else in the church. Notice verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia. Junia would be a, a, a woman, Andronicus a man. My fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. This is a fascinating thing to consider. Before Paul became Paul, he was Saul, and what did Saul love to do? Put other believers in prison. He was a persecuted, he persecuted people before he was persecuted, and what's fascinating is that he very well may have put Andronicus and Junia in prison, may have been placed in prison by Saul before he became Paul, and now he's now in jail. Wouldn't that be an interesting conversation? You sent me here, Paul. Glad to see you. Glad you're here. Greet Ampelias, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend. There's that phrase again. My dear friend, uh, uh, Statius. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Oh, I love that phrase. Could that be said about you? Could I say that? Could your leaders say that about you? Your fidelity to Christ has stood the test. You're tested. You're approved. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Aristobulus was the grandson of Herod the Great. So now we're getting into some political people. Even in the house of Caesar, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in, uh, in the Lord. And I love this next pair, verse 12. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. It just kind of rolls off your tongue. Tryphena and Tryphosa. Their words mean, by the way, these are two ladies. They, Tryphena means delicate. Tryphosa means dainty. <laughs> Greet dainty and delicate for me while you're there. Some scholars even believe they were twins, twin ladies who were a dynamic duo. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Now this character, Rufus, this is fascinating. I did a little homework. I know you're happy to know that I do my homework too. I know some of you guys, college, school, I got homework too. I did my homework on Rufus. Mark's gospel identifies a guy by the name of Simon of Cyrene. You ever heard of Simon of Cyrene? He's the guy when Jesus was carrying his cross, he fell, he couldn't carry it. And so Simon of Cyrene carried the cross of Jesus to uh, Calvary. Mark identifies Simon of Cyrene as the father of two people, Alexander and Rufus. And Paul didn't put this accidentally. He knew where Simon of Cyrene, he knew who Rufus was. Fascinating that someone in the family of Simon of Cyrene was someone that was being mentored and someone mentioned by Paul. There's some other names mentioned there. And then there's this obscure verse in verse 16. This is a part of mentoring. 
Some of y'all single people, you're going to love this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Say, David, I've been waiting for that. Now, you got to be careful how you apply this. There's a holy kiss, not an unholy kiss. You got to keep an eye on scope creep, you know, when it comes to the kissing. This was a common Near Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern uh, greeting. It'd be like today the holy handshake, holy hug. That, that's what the holy kiss was. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And then he finishes up his list in verse 21. Timothy, there's that guy, Timothy. Oh, talk about uh, a disciple. Timothy, my coworker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Tertius would have been the scribe. Uh, do we have any administrative assistants, executive assistants here, people that write out? I mean, you're on Paul's list. And then finally, Erastus, he's like a political guy, appointee, who's the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send their greetings. Man, what a list. I could go on and on about this list. Why am I saying all these things? Because Paul is the gold standard for mentoring individuals and people. If he had just this list in Rome, he had a list in every city. You need a list in your life. Someone said everyone needs a Paul and a Timothy and a Barnabas who was an encourager in the New Testament. Who's your Paul? Who's pouring into you? Who's your Timothy? Who are you pouring or mentoring into? Who's your Barnabas? Your good friends who are encouraging you. So who is the one that you are mentoring right now? This is the question I want to pose to you. In light of the fact that we are going to have hundreds, I mean, it's only, January's not, I know we're up to 100. In light of that fact, who among us would be willing to be a mentor? Think of the person that you plan to mentor. If you don't know anybody, then let us assign you someone. I know what you're thinking. David, how can busy people, you don't know how busy I am, how can busy people create space to mentor others? You don't know how busy I am. David, when I find time, I'll mentor somebody. When I find time, I'll disciple sometimes. Because there's always another busy season around the corner. Here's, if you don't make time, you won't have time. I know it's busy. I know some of y'all got young kids. Some of us who are older, do you remember what it's like when you had a bunch of preschool kids? Little, uh, you know... <laughs> Little juvenile delinquents living at your house, tearing up your house and tearing up your life. Man, how could you do that? Some of us then have teenagers. Have you forgot what it's like to raise a teenager? They're messy. But David, I got a busy job. I got demanding school and sports schedules. Shoot, some people are retired and they say, oh, when I retire, I'll mentor. I'll get involved in the, in the work of the church but we're traveling and doing stuff. We don't even know that we're retired. We don't have time to mentor. David, I'll never find the time. You won't find the time. You have to make time. And can I just say something? I'm 58 years old. I'm not getting any younger. You know when things will settle down for you? Because we always say, I'll do that when things settle down. You know when things are going to settle down? When you die. They'll slow way down for you. At least on earth. It's just ramping up in heaven. So you have to intentionally, you have to creatively think about how you're going to make space for the one that God puts in your life. Now we often think that discipling and mentoring 
is just one more thing to do in an already full plate that we have. But let me encourage you to think differently tonight, and it's something that every one of us can do. As you think about inviting someone to do life with you, just invite them to do what you are already doing. You don't have to carve out new time. Just include them in your already busy time and hectic time of life. For example, you eat 21 meals a week. Some of us eat more than that, I know. What might it look like if for some of those meals, you intentionally invite somebody that you're going to disciple or mentor? Just teach them what you know about life. That would be easy to do. You're already eating anyway. Or what if, if instead of going to the gym by yourself and putting in your earplugs, you intentionally invite somebody else to go with you who hold you accountable? Don't you always do better when you got like an accountability partner who's going to show up waiting on you? So easy to fluff it off when you're by yourself. How about investing in the one and what you're already doing? I've been trying this out. I've been playing racquetball lately. I have to chase somebody or something when I just can't run. Some of y'all can run. Yay, God, for you. Somebody's got to chase me or I got to chase them. So I've been playing racquetball with a guy that I met who's never visited the church yet. I'm hoping he will come. I don't know how that's going to work out because let me tell you something. He's really good at racquetball. He's taller than me. He's younger than me. He's faster than me. He's beating me really badly. I hate that guy. And he's taking it easy on me, and I'm still losing. I'm not that kind of guy competitively. So here's what I said the other day. You wait till golf season. I mean, you, do you play golf? Yeah, I play. I said, yeah, yeah, you're going to play all right. But I'm working on that guy. I'm investing in the one. I once heard somebody say that evangelism and discipleship is best described as doing normal life with gospel intentionality. So make a decision in this new year never to do anything alone. Again, you don't have to be commissioned. You don't have to, I commission you tonight, go be a mentor. You don't have to have a Bible college degree, graduate from a Bible college. I pronounce you, you graduate tonight. You know enough. Some of us are educated way beyond our obedience already. Just never do anything alone. Always have a for-the-one opportunity and mentality. It beats selling golden tickets to heaven. That's all I'm saying right now. That's not the way to get people to heaven. As I have reflected, and I'll close with this, if I, as I have reflected on my own life, I look back and I've had numerous people who mentored me, who believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. Dear friends, hardworking women who told me, David, you're not crazy, you can do this. We've had staff and elders and key ministry people who have come and gone who laid the foundation for where we are today. Some of you who are brand new, the, hunt, the thousands who call this church home, you don't realize we started with about 350 people when we came here 12, 13 years ago, and m most of them have passed on the glory. I would say maybe less than 100 left. But I think of those people who gave me a chance to lead, who changed, who tried new stuff, who mentored me and still do. I think of people like Paula Stefanovic, who was one of our early worship leaders here when we opened on staff. She just laid a great foundation from which all of us are building. I think of my own, like Rufus. Remember, Rufus' mother, Paul said, she's been a mother to me. I think of my own mama, Ike, Georgie Ike, kind of the church matriarch, who has just like loved me and now I need that because my mom is in heaven, so I need another mom. 
I'm having people all around me who help me. I even had a buddy when I started wearing jeans here. You won't believe this, but there was a time when jeans weren't worn up here or in the church. It's a big day when I wore blue jeans. We're like, oh, I don't know if you can worship God wearing blue jeans. Yes, you can. But I remember I started wearing jeans and I had on Levi's. And we had a guy in the church who was an executive with Wrangler. He's a buddy of mine. He said, my preacher is going to wear Wrangler. I said, well, if you give me the Wranglers, I'll wear whatever it is. And he's kept me stocked over the years with Wrangler jeans. So many people, too many to be named. Because nobody gets to Christ and nobody gets to heaven alone. Seldom does anybody get here by themselves. God sends just the right person at just the right time. The one. So who is your one? Who is the one you're investing in before they even reach Jesus? Who the one you're going to invest in after they found Jesus? Because all of us have help. We need to keep the chain going. We need to pay it forward. And it's really, the gospel is very simple, folks. It's just one person telling another person who then tells another. That's how the gospel is shared. The world will be one, W-O-N, by O-N-E, one by one. So sign up for Stride. That's what I'm asking you to do. But even beyond that, look around you in every area of your life and decide that this is the year I'm going to pour into somebody and look for a Paul, look for a Timothy, and look for a Barnabas. And I think if you'll do that, you will find out that this kingdom thing works out a lot better and people will be in heaven because of what you have done. That's the list. I love it. It's better than a golden ticket to heaven, I'm telling you. This is how people get to heaven today. And so even this service, you watching online, I'm enlisting you, I'm inviting you to the great adventure of building the kingdom of God. You got to come back next week. I'm going to give, I give talks every weekend along with our communication team. I've been working on this message for quite some time. I'm going to talk about opportunities we have as a church family to multiply. This is one of those messages that kind of a just a church family talk about where we're going in the next couple of years. You will not want to miss next Thursday night. You will not want to miss next Sunday. I'm just going to share a little bit of some vision about what we think God is calling us to do as we mentor and as we multiply together. If you need some prayer after the service, there will be some people right down here. If you're brand new, just come up here as well. If you're ready to go all in, the water's warm. We're 100. Maybe you could be 101. I, I had a guy say, by the way, he's going to be 366 if we get there. Did you know that? He said, I'll be your leap year baptism. I said, well, technically, you should come then on February 29th because that's like the leap year day this year. We'll see. Anyway, if you want to be baptized, man, we would consider it an honor to even do that tonight before we go. Let me have you stand. Let's pray together. Father, so many good and perfect gifts come from you, and God, we thank you for the church uh, when the church is working right. I come to you now, Father, uh, just uh, sharing the words of Paul, uh, that God, we have many, many people in this unique city of Rome called Cincinnati, another city of seven hills like Rome was, with hundreds of people. Hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands who need to be reached 
and they will be reached one person at a time. So help us to be for the one that doesn't know you, for the one who came from heaven to earth, and for the one God and Father of us all who is in all and through all. I pray for mentors. I pray for those of us to be mentored who need to be, and that, God, we would be encouragers, and that, God, we would help the church continue to work right. Thank you for the revival, the momentum that we are experiencing. We know it's not us. It's you in us, and we are grateful, and we do not take it for granted. So thank you, God, for each person here tonight, each person watching online. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.